promise with me. It's a little bit different week, and actually it's going to be a little bit different kind of a summer. There's a couple things going on. Obviously, Thomas and I, if you listen to the show regularly, you'll know Thomas and I just got back from um, being volunteer leaders at a week of Young Life Camp with some guys that we've been hanging out with throughout the year. It was an amazing week. We, um, uh, some guys came to know Jesus. We cried over the pain of some guys' stories. We laughed until we cried at some amazing things, including our buddy Zach Watson doing The Running Man. And if you've never gotten a chance to see that, oh my gosh. There's this ride at Carolina Point, the Young Life Camp in Brevard, North Carolina, called the Ogo. And um, it's it's difficult to explain what this ride is outside of. It's just a it's a hamster ball that's like 20 feet in diameter. Within that is a smaller hamster ball that's probably eight feet in diameter. And two people get inside of that. They put some water in there so you don't get like rug burns on the, on the plastic of this ball is made out of. And then they push you down a mountain. They've like carved a, a track out of, out of the grass of this mountain and you just roll down. And, uh, Zach Watson was the, he's another volunteer leader in our area. One of the funniest people I've ever met in my entire life. And, uh, he and I did the Ogo or the giant hamster ball at the same time. And I don't know if I've ever laughed that much in a minute and 45 seconds in my entire life. We had a great time. We, had amazing moments and conversations with kids. The Lord did some amazing stuff in these relationships and it was just a great time, but suffice it to say, we didn't get to record an episode. Um, and then we came home from camp. I immediately, uh, turned around and went to Tybee Island with my family for a little vacation. And Thomas and Maddie, unfortunately, had a death in their extended family. And so they are having um, a graveside funeral service today, even as I record this. And so we're not going to have a normal ancient and new episode. But what I thought was we could have kind of an ancient and new snack. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. It's just me on the show and we'll just have kind of an ancient and new snack. Um, just a little thought from a scripture that I read that I thought was really cool. Now, before I read this, I have to make a little caveat and say that Thomas always asserts that the book of Hebrews is my favorite book in the Bible. And I don't know where he gets this. <laughs> Because as far as I'm concerned, it's not. And, and that's not me throwing shade at the book of Hebrews, but I think probably the book of Philippians, maybe Colossians, would be my like go-to um, most encouraging, the books that I've spent the most time in, the books that I've memorized the most scripture from, all that kind of stuff. But Thomas says it's the book of Hebrews, and so uh, if he listens to this episode, it's going to be a gigantic, I told you so. Uh, from Thomas, whatever. Um, I'm going to read you something from the book of Hebrews. Before we do, I will say when I was at Tybee Island, I had a great birding moment. And I think Thomas would have been really proud of me. We were standing outside lighthouse pizza, uh, waiting on our order. And we heard this bird making a noise and Christy said, what is that? And I said, I think it's a kind of a grackle. And I turned on my Merlin bird ID app and it was a boat tailed grackle on Tybee Island outside of Savannah, Georgia. So for Sam Bingham, Molly Warren, and Thomas Cox, my birding friends, I had a big birding win. Um, Hebrews chapter two, here we go. Um, if you don't know, the book of Hebrews 
was written for Jewish Christians at the beginning of the movement of, at the beginning of the Jesus movement, who were under a lot of pressure and persecution for uh, accepting Jesus as their Messiah. Many of them had been kicked out of their homes, out of their families. Many of them had lost their jobs. Some of them even had worse stuff than that. They were being beaten, going to prison, all those kinds of things. And some of those folks thought, man, ever since we signed on to this Jesus thing, life has gotten so much harder. Um, why don't we just go back to just being Jewish and just worshiping the true God and, and, and ditch the Jesus part of this? Whoever it is that wrote the book of Hebrews, some people think it was the Apostle Paul, some people think it was maybe um, the, uh, the, the preacher Apollos that's mentioned in the Corinthian epistles, um, could be. Um, I personally don't think it was the Apostle Paul. Either way, whoever wrote the, the book of Hebrews is basically saying to these Jewish Christians, look, I know it's gotten hard. Don't quit. Your faith is precious. Hang on to it. Get a tight grip on it. Get a grip that's like a white-knuckled, tenacious grip that you're like hanging on for dear life. When things get tough when you walk with Jesus, don't let go of the Jesus piece. Hold on tighter. That's what this is about. And the writer of the book of Hebrews, he or she, whoever wrote this book, um, basically sets out especially in the first part of the book, a lot of comparisons. Jesus is better than angels. Jesus is better than law of Moses. Jesus is better than Melchizedek. Jesus is better than the whole priestly system. Jesus is better than the temple. Jesus is pre- like preeminent, um, better than anything you could compare him to. So, okay, the author is setting out all these comparisons. And early in the book, chapter 2, Um, the author says this. This is Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5. And furthermore, it is not angels who will control the future world we are talking about. For in one place, the scriptures say, what are mere mortals that you should think about them, or the son of man that you should care for him? Yet for a little while, you made him a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them authority over all things. That's kind of about human beings. Um, And the author goes on in verse 8 and says, Now, when it says all things, it means nothing is left out. But we have not yet seen all things put under their authority, under the authority of human beings. Verse 9, What we do see is Jesus, who for a little while was given a position a little lower than the angels. And because he suffered death for us, is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory, and it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. So now Jesus and the one he makes holy have the same Father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Okay, I want to read just a section of that in a different translation. That was the New Living Translation. He says, both, this is verse 11, both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. This is a really important verse for my personality. 
I don't know about yours. I don't know what your particular hangups are. Um, I can remember going through times in my life where like, I was just kind of ashamed of being in the family that I was in. Um, not really because there was anything wrong with them. It was mainly my own insecurities and I wanted to be cool and all that kind of stuff. But I didn't have a really good relationship with my little sister because, um, like until we, until I graduated high school and went away to college, really, we kind of butted heads a lot and I didn't think she was that cool and she was a better athlete than I was, which made me, you know, jealous and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and so we had a rough relationship. My parents were my parents. They were old. I didn't want to talk to them about any of my, you know, problems or relationships or anything like that. I wasn't very honest with them about my life. My own insecurities made me a person who was ashamed of my family. Um, if we were in public spaces, I didn't want to be known as coach younger's son. I didn't, that's just not what I wanted. I didn't, I, I wanted to be my own person. I didn't want to have my value be a part of an association with somebody else. I don't know if you ever had anything like that, where like you were embarrassed of somebody that otherwise you were close to and in certain company you would ignore them or avoid them. I definitely had that. I'm not proud of it. It wasn't good. It was all based on my own insecurity, especially my relationship with my little sister. She was so cool and she is so cool and I'm so proud to belong to her now. But the thing that moved me in this scripture was that the writer of Hebrews said that Jesus, like Jesus matured through what he suffered. Like the things that he went through that were so unfair and so difficult made him part of who he was. That's a really weird thing for me to get my mind around because Jesus has always existed and was always God. But he was made the pioneer of our salvation like through what he suffered. That's what verse 10 says in Hebrews chapter 2. And then the writer says, both the one who makes the people holy, that's Jesus, and those who are made holy, that's us, are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. Jesus is proud to be your brother. He's proud to be in a family with you. He's always known what we were going to be. He doesn't have the insecurities of the punk middle school kid who is ashamed to be seen with their parents or ashamed to be seen with their siblings or ashamed to, to you know, revel in the inside jokes of their family because he wants to be cool. He's too cool for school or whatever. Jesus is not like that. He doesn't have any of those insecurities. He always knew who I was. He always knew my shortcomings. He always knew my problems. He always knew everything about me. And he always wanted me to be in his family. That is crazy. That fills my heart with joy. It fills my heart with hope. He's never too cool to claim to belong to you and to claim to belong to me. To be a part of the family of Jesus means he will one day stand in the assembly of everyone who was ever made 
and proudly declare to be your family. And part of the maturity and pride, the good kind of pride, he's proud to be yours, was forged, tempered through what he suffered. He suffered for this family. He went through hell to get this family, and he's proud of us. That is crazy. (laughs) That fills my heart with hope. I don't deserve it. I haven't earned it. But because he went through hell to make us part of our fam- part of his family, he is not only not ashamed of us, he's proud to be linked up with us as his family. I hope that encourages you today. And I hope you have a good week. I'm Lee. And Thomas is doing something hard but good today. And... We'll see you soon. This has been ancient. This song is about, and this is something worth singing about. I want you to sing this like you mean it. We're gonna go all the way back to the start and sing about the fact that God has made up His mind on us. Sing this with me. When I mess things up, it's easy to think you love me less, but your love for me is a choice you've made. Where you see me. the same